0: Hello, you guys. Welcome to another bonus episode of the Social Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Yazdan. So you guys know that these bonus episodes, I don't promote them on social. I don't send out the emails about them, but they're always really, really good and full of valuable information. And the only way you get these episodes is if you subscribe to the podcast. So if you're listening to this, make sure you are subscribed so that you never miss an episode. These bonus ones are just like gold. So today is a little bit different than normal. Um, I have a guest on the podcast. I haven't had too many guests so far, so this will... I think he's our second guest. And I... I'm so excited to share our interview with you. So um, his name is Colin. Colin is a commercial real estate agent, and he specializes in um, transactions for healthcare provi- healthcare providers. So whether you're leasing or whether you're purchasing a property for your practice, that's his specialty, and he is incredible. He's got so much valuable information. I think as healthcare professionals, you know, we get into our business with these big dreams of what we want, and what we're going to build, but we don't know that that lease can actually hold us back or purchasing that property can actually hold us back, and we kind of sometimes learn things like that the hard way. So I hope this episode gives you some insight into what to look for if you're just building your practice or if you are leasing currently and your re- lease renewals coming up within the next 12 to 18 months, like things for you to think about. Um, and also if you're just starting out and you wanna decide whether you're going to purchase a property or lease your property, this episode is gonna be gold for you. So I would like to introduce to you guys, Colin Carr. All right, everyone, so here is Colin. So Colin, give us a little bit of a background about yourself and then I have a lot of questions for you.
1: Yeah, you bet. Uh, I've been in real estate for almost 20 years and we have an exclusive focus on representing healthcare tenants and buyers.
0: Nice, nice. Okay. So, and I know that you focus mostly um, on healthcare providers, which is awesome because that's something that we don't get any kind of advice on when we're in school like nobody teaches us about real estate and the importance of like looking at your lease and what that entails and how you could get benefits like nobody teaches us that stuff so it's really important to get that information and it's hard to find somebody that you trust to get that information so i love that you help i know that you help like hundreds of dentists physicians veterinarians optometrists and like everyone across the board so that's exciting
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to get all of the clinical information in to dental and medical school, let alone try to hit all the business aspects and so. Yeah, real estate is typically the second or third highest expense for most healthcare providers, and unfortunately, it just doesn't get very much attention when you're in school.
0: Okay, Colin. So tell me, if we're kind of new in the scene, <coughs> should I buy or lease my office space?
1: Uh, you should look at both options. Uh, a lot of times, healthcare providers will make a decision ahead of time saying, I have to own or I have to lease. Uh, there's a lot of conversation between consultants and advisors. There's people that are adamant saying that you should always own your real estate. Other people say you should never own your real estate. The bottom line is that uh, it depends on the situation, it depends on the market that you're in, it depends on availability, it depends on the cost. Uh, we typically recommend that people look at both options to lease and purchase, number one. And then if you're looking at an option to purchase, a lot of times uh, it's just the question of, is that the property that you want to be located in? That's the the first option. Sometimes the option to own is is dramatically inferior to the option to lease. And so you've got to ask yourself the question if the benefits of, of owning and being in an inferior property are worth it. If you like the property a lot, then you want to look at it from three primary economic places the first one is how does it affect your cash flow what's the check you have to cut up front per month to lease versus purchase uh the next thing you want to do is look at it after tax deductions and benefits because there's a lot of tax deductions for owning and then the third and the primary reason people do purchase is because they want that principal pay down they want the benefit of every time they cut a check per month that they're they're increasing their net worth their your personal financial statement goes up every month by you know, minimally, you know, hundreds, if not thousands or, or way beyond that. And so uh, really, it's it's got to be an emotional decision as far as do you want to be located in the property that's available for lease or purchase? And then just how does it affect your overall cash flow? Uh, you know, later you can get into questions like what's my exit strategy? Uh, you know, what's the additional exposure I'm taking out with maintenance or maybe managing other tenants? But really the first questions are, is, is that the property you want to be located in? And then you got to look at it from a detailed economic analysis.
0: Yeah, I like the tip about the cash flow thing, because that's huge, especially if you're kind of new in your business or you're looking to start up your business. Cash flow, you know, is something that you have to take into consideration. And also, I think one thing that's important is if you think about like if you want to live close to there, because how does it affect you if you know you're driving 45 minutes or whatever each way to work each day or if you live right down the street i think that would make a difference also like for people to think do you find that that's also something when it comes to like leasing or or um purchasing that makes a big difference
1: yeah it absolutely does and it depends again on what market you're in You, you might be in a market where if you went and looked at all the available options, you might have uh, several very exciting purchase opportunities. There's other markets that are more competitive that are more expensive that you might not have a single option that makes sense, and so your only legitimate scenario would be, would be to buy a building and tear it down or try to convert some other property to a, a to your use and that may or may not be feasible so you know, we have we have some markets that we do work in where you know almost half the dentists or doctors we work with own we have other markets we work in where where literally less than 5% of the doctors own and it's not because they don't want to it's just because there's nothing available that meets their requirements
0: nice okay so if if somebody was looking how would they know if um or like i guess besides the cash flow and all that how can they tell if they should rent or lease like what's the best way for somebody to determine that besides the cash flow um, like how can they find out who can they talk to I mean obviously somebody like you but let's say you're not able to help somebody because they're across the country or something how, like what should they look for
1: yeah so th- this goes back to a similar concept if you're getting ready to do a real estate transaction and, and getting ready could be 12 or 18 months in advance and make sure you have enough time depending on what you want to do Uh, it it starts by having information on what are the top options that meet your requirements. So the game plan for every healthcare provider is to go to the market and find the properties that meet their requirements and to do their due diligence. And in that you look at office versus retail properties or office versus medical office properties. Uh, you look at lease versus purchase and the game plan is you want to understand everything that's available to you. a common mistake with with healthcare providers is they pick a single property and they go after it. And the logic there is they're similar to doing that with residential. They find a house they want and then you just go after it. And it's not common in residential to negotiate with, with two or three properties. Uh, in commercial real estate, that's the standard. If you're talking to like a Starbucks or Chipotle or a you know Charles Schwab or a Fortune 500 company, they're, they're never gonna put all their eggs in one basket. They're not gonna look at one property and just go after it. It doesn't matter if it's a new lease, if it's a lease renewal, they always understand their top four or five properties and they're usually negotiating with four or five landlords simultaneously because they want to make sure they get the best terms possible. And that's really the game plan for healthcare providers is don't fall in love with one property. Even on a lease renewal, if you've been in a property for 20 years, you still have to know what the market bears and what your other options are. Otherwise you don't have a benchmark to to measure your terms to the market. So,
0: Yeah. So can we touch on that a little bit? I actually, um, leased my property, I think years ago, I want to say like 10 years ago, my brother and I, he's also, um, he's a medical doctor. So we've always thought about like having a commercial property together. And then him and I would each have our own separate spaces and then rent out the other spaces. But then obviously, as we got into our careers, that's not at all what happened. Um, but I think that, let let's touch on what you said just right now a little bit because i want to know more about that
1: yeah i mean in an ideal scenario you would try to find an advisor who understands healthcare number 1 and then uh, number 2 doesn't have what's called a conflict of interest yeah. uh, the obvious conflict of interest is you know you 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 start working with a real estate agent or advisor and they start showing you properties and they've got listings where they have a fiduciary or legal obligation to the opposing party uh, in the same area you're looking, that becomes challenging. That's like asking somebody who's uh, suing you also to defend you, you just, you, you don't do that. You gotta, have, you gotta have specialized representation without a conflict, so. Totally. In an ideal scenario, you find, you find a real estate agent that specializes in healthcare that doesn't have a conflict of interest, that understands how to represent tenants and buyers, and then they spend literally dozens of hours doing due diligence, doing research, pre-qualifying properties, talking to landlords and listing agents, and then by the time you uh, get to the market with them, you're gonna spend hopefully an hour and a half, two hours of your time looking at the top you know, three to six properties. Again, some markets there might be 20 properties and it takes hours to vet it down to the top five. Uh, other properties you might have to spend a significant amount of time uh, trying to find three or four options if it's a tight market. So. Uh, game plan though, is that you hire someone who's qualified that you trust. That's going to do the legwork for you. And then they go to the market, whittle it down and then show you the top five, six properties.
0: Nice. Okay. I like that. Um, I didn't do that, but that would have been nice to, to think about. I know, I think my brother did actually. So, um, so I want to know more about like mistakes that, practice owners make with their leases and kind of not just the mistakes, but also how they could renegotiate their lease. Cause I think what we feel like as healthcare professionals is, okay, we're going to sign this lease and these are the terms and it is what it is. And there's no way that I can have anything changed. Like this just is kind of what it is. Right. So how can we, like, I didn't even know that we could renegotiate a lease until I want to say like three years ago. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, I, you can get benefits. You can't, there are things you could do. Um, and that just came because we, I have a friend who does a lot of virtual real estate and he was like, like, what is like, no, you, you got to talk to them and do this. So I want you to go through it with us so that we can fully understand the process.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll start with that one right there. That is probably, the number one mistake healthcare providers make is they they don't think they have the ability to negotiate and they, they take what landlords say as being final. And so, I mean, of course a landlord's going to tell you, you can't negotiate because if you believe them and you don't push back, then they just made tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they would have if you knew what you're doing. And so that's very common on, not only new deals, but it's common on lease renewals. And again, most people don't realize this lease renewals are the number one transaction in all of commercial real estate for every new office or new location you see show up, you know, there's probably 20 to 30 lease renewals happening where the tenants are in the building that they want to be in. They want to stay in their space and they have to renegotiate. So landlords are masters at telling you no one's paying less than you're paying. You can't have an agent represent you. Uh, We don't give concessions on renewals. And all that's completely false. And you say, "Well, why would they do that?" It's because they're interested in making as much money as possible. And if you bite off on that, then again, they just they just save themselves or made tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars more.
0: Right. And people don't think that. it.
1: They don't. They don't see it as that much. But if you think about it, again, California, they do. You know, uh, per square foot per month. A lot of markets they do per square foot per year. But you take a slight difference um, of a couple of dollars a square foot. You know, whether it's monthly times 12 or annually you, you multiply that by a couple of thousand square feet and you get, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a year. And then you times that by 10 years and all of a sudden you've got a hundred, two dollars mistake that you made because you're overpaying. And then, and then you factor that through profitability, you know, you, you, bill a dollar, you don't keep a dollar, you bill a dollar, you keep 25 cents or 35 cents. So, um, the, the bottom line there is you've, you've got to go into the negotiation uh, understanding that you do have options, that it is negotiable, and one of the best benchmarks that you can use when you're looking at a negotiation, and, and typically with the help of someone who knows what they're doing, is what is it going to cost the landlord if the space goes vacant, and then what are they going to give the next tenant that shows up?
0: And what happens when they tell you, oh, well, I could just lease this out. Like I have got a list, a laundry list of people that are waiting to for this space. So you know, if you don't want to re-sign your lease or you don't want to lease this property no problem you know they put that fear in you and you're like oh my gosh this is such a great building this is such a great location like you see your dreams happening before your eyes and then you feel all that pressure so what's your what's your um what would you say in that kind of situation what do you do
1: it sounds like one of two things It sounds like either one you've you've been around landlords before or you you took a landlord uh, impersonation class because (laughs) that's what they say they say that they've got a laundry list of people that want to take the space. They'll have no problem leasing it. They say we, we never do, you know, free rent on renewals or we don't, we don't pay brokers or we don't ever reduce lease rates and it's just not true. And again, that's where it comes back to the idea of, if the space is vacant, what's the lease rate they're going to get? Cause that's the lease rate you should get on a, on a lease renewal. Even if they replace you, they're going to give the new tenant several months of free rent tenants, true. tenants get free rent to offset moving costs. Uh, To bridge the gap, so and not to
0: mention also like they get upgrades, you know they get. So if you want to tell everybody kind of about upgrades that they'll get at the lease renewal, that would be great too. I don't know all of them. I just know like what what I've negotiated for myself. So
1: yeah, feel free. Yeah, I mean it's custom on again. Not every deal. Every deal is a little bit different. Uh, there could be the deal where they really they really do have someone ready to backfill your space at a higher price with no concessions. That's possible. But typically, it's customary to get free rent on a new deal or a lease renewal. If you're doing improvements, it's customary to get a free build-out period or renovation period. Uh, it's customary to get money to improve the space because the, the, the improvements stay with the property and belong to the landlord. So that's very custom as well. And uh, you need to get a market lease rate. I mean, there's, there's several other concepts. Like if you're going to sell your practice, you need to make sure that you have an assignability clause that lets you get off the lease. That's, that's an area we can talk about in a minute, but yeah, um, yeah. there's a handful of economic considerations that uh, you want to pay attention to. And, and, and here's the, again, here's the benchmark or the measuring stick. If you go to the market and you know what other landlords are willing to offer you, then you have a comparison of whether your current space is a good deal or a bad deal.
0: Right. So that's the key is going to other areas and seeing what the value is in the other areas and what the market rate is. Right. And then you, you know what you're up against.
1: Yes. Cause otherwise the landlord gives you an offer and you, you ask for a lower right. rate, you ask for more and then, yeah, you don't, you don't know if that's a good deal or a bad deal. It might be less than you were paying or they might give you a concession, but you, you don't know how that compares to the market.
0: Okay. So one thing, I mean, I definitely want to talk about, um, the transitions. I think that's a huge thing because obviously, I mean, when we go into business, we want to work for a really long time, but we don't want to work forever. So that's something we have to think about ahead of time. But one thing I wanted to talk about is parking. Like, do you see parking as ever being an issue, whether you own the building or you're leasing? Like, you know, is, I feel like if you're buying a building and then you don't have enough parking and you didn't think about that, that could be an issue or do you just not really see that as much?
1: No, uh, parking is a major aspect uh, and part of the due diligence. Um, parking, signage, uh, what's the what's the access into the property? Uh, do you have a second door? Uh, is the property providing janitorial or uh, utility services? Do you pay that yourself? Those are all very important aspects.
0: Okay, yeah. And, I didn't yeah, even I mean, think of
1: those. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, again, it just depends. I mean, if you're in, if you're in a, uh, a smaller market, if you're in uh, in Omaha or a Tulsa or, you know, I mean, it, it's different. That's probably not an issue. If you're in Orange County or you're in Manhattan, uh, you're downtown LA, it, it is going to be an issue. And so, uh, Orange County is
0: how- okay, but LA, not so much. The parking in LA is, is really difficult
1: correct so yeah just it just depends another thing too is there's times when there's there's uh, enough parking but you might have a tenant who's a neighbor that takes up a disproportionate amount of parking you have a restaurant next to you and there might be enough spaces in the morning and in the evening but between you know 11 and 1 or after 4 or 5 uh, that that restaurant might take up a disproportionate amount of parking and, and can really impact things so yeah that's a that's a huge reason to do due diligence on everything you look at
0: Okay, awesome. Okay, so let's talk about um, like the practice transition portion because that's something I think when we're getting in a business, all we ever think about is our dream of building this amazing business and like what our goals are and what our plans are. And then we don't think of the aftermath of, well, you know what, maybe in 25 years or less or more or whatever, um, I'm going to want to sell this place. So what are like the limitations of that? What do you wanna look out for? Um, give us some good tips on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the most important thing to look at when you're uh, doing any lease and, and you have the understanding that at some point you probably are gonna to wanna to transition out. And again, hopefully it's a long time away, but things do happen. Uh, people decide to move, they decide to sell, they decide to that you know, you know, there's health issues, there's all sorts of reasons why a transition could come sooner than maybe you had planned so it's important to try to go into a transaction with the right strategy the first thing you want to look at is the assignability clause because that's typically the clause that allows you to let a new person on the lease and for you to get off the lease and uh, a lot of people will look in their lease and they'll see that yes there is an assignability clause or they'll ask for one and the landlord will say yes, but a lot of times the language is not sufficient. So just having the clause in your lease doesn't necessarily mean that you're safe or in good shape. And and what I mean by that is a lot of assignability clauses will say that you can let a new tenant on the lease, uh, but it doesn't say that you can get off the lease. And so that's a big issue. If you have seven or eight years left in the lease and you have to be a personal guarantor for seven years, I mean, that's like selling your house and then guaranteeing the new buyer's mortgage. I mean, legally, you're not supposed to set foot on the property in the practice, you can't contact the patient. So you can't find yourself in a scenario where you're a guarantee or guarantor, excuse me, um, for another person's lease. Other times, it'll say that they'll let you out of the lease. uh, If you have equal or if the buyer has equal or greater financial strength and maybe the buyer does if it's a larger group or if it's somebody who's strong financially. But if you end up being a 60-year-old doctor selling to a 30-year-old doctor, the chances of them having better financials than you are pretty minimal. And so, yeah, yeah, so they're just, there's a
0: huge thing to think about because, you know, you're, you're building out this business and you're like, Oh yeah, everything's great. And maybe you can sell it for, a really good amount because you've built it for all these years, right? If you're 60, 65, 70, whatever, and you've been in practice for 40 years, but then your lease is what's holding you back from being able to really actually transition that practice. And that that's a big deal.
1: Absolutely. So long story short, there just there's just specific language you need to make sure is in the assignability clause that allows mm-hmm. you to get out of the lease, allows the new buyer to get on the lease. And there's a, a, a very specific strategy that you want to go after with that language.
0: Okay. Do you want to share some of that language with us? For
1: yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that that we uh, push for is uh, is if the buyer can qualify for financing from a lender that's a recognized you know lender national institution, etc. You know that lender's mm-hmm. willingness to loan on the practice should show the the buyer's creditworthiness, and so there's language around the buyer qualifying for a loan from a nationally recognized lender uh, and other concepts like that, which would indicate the buyer's credit worthy. And so, you know, you you don't have to have a quote, greater or equal net worth as the seller. There's other indicators, which uh, would make the buyer worthy of the landlord, accepting them as the sole tenant.
0: Okay, awesome. Very important to look for. Okay, so now that we got that stuff under wraps, let's talk about a couple more mistakes practice owners make with their leases because I think that, um, you know, we don't really know what we're doing in this field. if, If, to be quite honest, like I said, we didn't learn about it. We don't really know about it. And oftentimes, we learn the hard way we learn through our mistakes. So if you could just help us out with some of those mistakes so that we can avoid them going into this in the first place, that would be good. I know we touched on one earlier. But let's let's touch on a few more.
1: Absolutely. So another really common mistake that healthcare providers make is that they uh, gauge uh, market information or market knowledge based upon what their friends or colleagues tell them. And so you get buildings that oftentimes have multiple healthcare providers—you uh, know, couple of dentists, couple of physicians, you know, physical therapists, etc.—and they talk to each other, which is great. Uh, but they'll say, you know, what did you get on your lease renewal? Or what did you get when you came in the building? And that person will tell them. And the problem with that is that doesn't mean that person got a good deal or they had any clue what they're doing or they were properly represented. And so, uh, what you end up getting is information from somebody who's potentially well-meaning, but it's very likely they got a very average or below average deal. And so, uh, like we've had scenarios where, you know, we had a situation where we're doing a lease renewal for a doctor. In a building, and he had four other dentists on the same floor, uh, all specialists, and uh, he was a GP and and was friends with them, referral sources with them, etc. And we were looking at his lease, and we you know he was paying thirty dollars a square foot per year, and we asked him, you know, uh, how, how did you get to this number, and 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 what do you what are you doing at this lease rate, and and. How did you renew your last lease at this at this rate? And he said, Well, I'm friends with all the doctors on this floor. Uh, all of us share information, we're all paying the same thing. And, you know, the landlord doesn't give tenant improvement allowance on renewals, they don't give free rent, et cetera. And so I, I know it's a fair deal because we're all paying the same thing. And and we told him we had just put a brand new tenant on the first floor at $21 a square foot with huge concessions. Oh and so oh my gosh. So what what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, you take $9 a square foot times 2,500 yeah. square feet, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. So yeah. We, I just said, listen, I, I get the logic behind it, but you are measuring a good or bad deal against terrible deals. And so you, you matched up perfectly with them, but it was a terrible deal. So uh, in that scenario, the landlord knew that we understood the market. We had other viable options that were legitimate posture for us. And so we ended up reducing his rent dramatically and got him, you know, six figures in concessions. Awesome. And, and then yeah. we went and did, did the same thing <laughs> same thing for the other four tenants. Um, well,
0: that's great. Yeah. So I, I guess that landlord was probably so mad that you were in the building, like literally, <laughs> he's you know, like, got me one tenant. But then you reduce the rate of the four other guys. But it's, it's you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a scenario where the, the landlord's, in those in those situations the landlords know eventually if a sophisticated tenant comes along they're going to get had i mean for but sure. yeah, their game plan is they they're going to ride that wave as long as they possibly can and, for
0: sure yeah. what do you say if like let's say that everyone who's been in the building has been there for 20 30 years and there's really no vacancies like what and then there's there's one guy coming in and it's not really fair market value. Like, how does that work out? Cause I, I know there's a lot of older medical buildings and like my surrounding areas in orange County and LA where they're older and the doctors that have been there have literally been there since the beginning. And so like if you were to try to go in and renegotiate a lease, they'd be like, no, heck no.
1: Yeah. So again, it comes down to this, uh, if they were to move out, let's say let's say that they were to find a building they wanted to purchase, maybe they weren't going to go move and lease another space and do a lateral move because there wasn't a reason. But if you found them an option to purchase where the effective cost of them owning that building after they bought the building and paid for a brand new build out was, was equal or less than the effective cost of leasing, that's a super compelling reason to look at a purchase and yeah. all of a sudden, if you have that as a viable option for the doctor, which again, that goes back to the key of posture, it has to be a viable option. You have to have more than one scenario available to you. Then the landlord's face with if this person does move out, I'm not gonna be able to overcharge a new tenant with with a bogus lease rate just because they've right. because they're not gonna pay above market. They're gonna pay a fair market value. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes the plumb line. And then what's it cost to release this? How much tenant improvements do I have to give them to get the space upgraded? How much free rent will I give them? Yeah. What's the cost of a new lease with attorneys versus a two or three page lease amendment? And so that's the game that's being played is the landlords are assuming that you don't know better. You're not gonna move. And so they're gonna push you around, even if they do it with a smile on their face and you know and they, you know, they send you a Christmas card, they're still playing the game of I have the upper hand. If people hire professional representation uh, that understands the game and, and is, has a dedicated game plan exclusive to your needs and your requirement, and they can get you other viable options, they can create that posture and level the playing field. And that allows you to attain terms that would be similar to a new tenant, which usually are way better than you have right now. And so that essentially is the commercial real estate game. And if you look at, again, you, you just pick pick some retailers, you pick, you know, like a like a, a, a starbucks or chipotle or a, a chick-fil-a or you get an office users like a, a charles schwab or a fortune 500 company they're not going to accept uh a lease rate that's not market they do their due diligence they hire professional representation and and they get the fair terms And so the landlord knows if it's a if it's a national tenant they don't play that game with them because they know that they know better when it's right. an individual doctor they're going to assume they don't have a clue oh. And
0: they're going to push them around. Well, in, in all fairness, we usually don't have a clue, right? So yeah,
1: <laughs> So, <that's-
0: laughs> I guess the, the main goal is hire professional representation to help you. Because I think something that happens up front, and I see this with um, even like systems in the workplace where let's say you have consent forms or let's say you're hiring people and you don't speak to an attorney and get an associate contract and you just, Oh, I'm just going to do it this way. And I know what I'm doing and I'm a smart person. And, and, and you know, as physicians, like they are smart, we are smart. We went to a lot of school, but not for stuff like this. And so you find yourself in these binds because you don't want to spend the money up front for let's say an attorney or, um, like a real estate agent or something. You don't, you don't, you're like, Oh, I don't need that. I can negotiate it, whatever. And then you find out later, the hard way like you know what if i had just spent that money up front i would have been saving so much more on the back end of this right? right we don't realize that until it's an issue so that's something that i'm a big advocate for is hiring somebody who's an expert in the field to help you
1: absolutely i mean and and you hit two good points i mean attorneys and real estate agents uh you know you're about to sign a document that's worth minimum hundreds of thousands of dollars, could be worth a million or $2 million. I mean, you can have a really good attorney review that document for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, whether that's two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, depends on how complex it is. But you think about that as an insurance policy, again, I mean, it's, yes. that's the thing you're going to buy a million dollar house and you're not going to have insurance on it. You you can't afford to do that because if, if it does go down wrong, you you're in really bad shape. So, uh we we tell every client never 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 diy never do it yourself when it comes to legal documents just pay an attorney a couple thousand dollars if it's an amendment and a renewal it might be literally a couple hundred bucks and that's that's a phenomenal insurance policy and then let me hit the point you just made about about real estate because that that's actually one of the other mistakes i was going to say is there's a misnomer that if you hire an agent that you pay the agent and that's true if you're, the, if you're the landlord or the seller, but tenants and buyers don't pay their agents. Like right. if you want to buy a house, it's the seller who has a commission set aside for both their listing agent and the buyer's agent and they split right. it. If you go to the market by yourself without an agent, whether it's residential or commercial, the listing agent gets a double commission. And and landlords are are famous for telling people, if you don't have an agent, I'll give you a better deal. And again, they're just, it's a flat out lie. They're literally yeah. just pocketing that money or their agent gets two commissions. so because
0: That person's working really for them. You don't have someone advocating for you.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah, and so it, a- if you're a landlord or a seller and you decide to do your own real estate, that's different because you determine the fees. But if you're a tenant or a buyer, you're a healthcare provider, and you go look at properties. You're not setting the commission structure. It's already set. It's already in place. And so, if you go to a property or do a deal yourself, whether it's a renewal or a new deal, the idea that you're saving money is is not true. The the landlord either pockets that money or the listing agent gets a double commission. So, um, that's another common mistake is is you don't save money by not having an agent. And then that's not even a consideration of the fact that you're probably going to get a much Uh, a much inferior deal it's you don't have the market information in the intel so you, you end up losing twice you end up missing out on representation that would have been free and then you end up negotiating a worse deal
0: and then not only that but like what we talked about earlier is um you're not set up for the long run you're not set up for the transition you're not set up for all the other things that you could be had you just had some professional representation. So I think for everyone listening, it's important to know like whatever industry you're in, I'm going to use dentistry as an example because that's what I do. But it's like if if somebody was to tell me, oh yeah, I, I tried to um, adjust my tooth myself at home with what I had it's like, why wouldn't you just go to the dentist or like, oh yeah, I went to the store and I got essential oils to try to help the the pain in my teeth. It's like, no, but if you actually just go to the professional, like we understand when our patients tell us that, like, why wouldn't you just go to the professional? Right. But then we do the same thing when it comes to this type of stuff. So I think it's really important to know what you're getting yourself into. And the only way you'll really know is by investing in, or not even always investing upfront, like how you said with the real estate agents, like you're not actually investing up front, but making that time investment and finding somebody to represent you. And that way you don't have to worry about getting burned twice, I guess that you just, you know, put, have your own representation. I think that's so important.
1: I, I totally agree. And that's, I mean, that's across the board. I mean, uh, that's in any industry. I mean, the most successful people surround themselves with people that are better in specific areas that help yep. take care of issues for them. And so, um, again, that's some of the irony of, of healthcare is, you know, a lot of times you'll see healthcare providers uh, you know trying to, to save every cent they can on, you know, a case of rubber yeah. gloves and they're buying in bulk for six months to save $14. And then they try to do their real estate themselves and they lose $150,000 and you're going... There's, there's a better way to do it. And, and that's not so even it. taking into consideration the time. I mean, there's, I, most people's most precious commodity is, is time. And totally. you,
0: know, yeah.
1: you go, you go do uh, a commercial real estate transaction or, or try to try to, you know, be your own attorney or whatever it is, or cut corners with architects and try to, you know, draft something yourself, um, you're going to lose exponentially in, in the, in the, uh, in the area of time.
0: So I love everything you've given us. I think you've, you've given so much valuable info, so many gold nuggets that people can take away from. And I think we got the big message across. So I want to know where people can find you. If somebody wants to reach out to you, if they have more questions, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so our website is car.us, C-A-R-R.us. And if you look in the upper right-hand corner, we have a Contact Us page. We have a Find an Agent page. Uh, we have agents across the country. We do deals in, in all 50 states. We're up in Alaska, Hawaii, uh, DC, Maine, Florida. We're, we're coast to coast. Um, we represent a couple thousand healthcare providers per year, so it, it's, it's, our, it's our only focus, our only business. So you can connect with an agent locally. Uh, also, we offer uh, everyone who contacts us a free lease or purchase evaluation, and there's a link for that too. If you want to know, uh, it doesn't even matter if your lease is enough for five or 10 years. If you just want to know, hey, how does my current terms compare to the market? Um, we'll take your lease. We'll do the due diligence. We'll give you a detailed report. And if you're looking at selling, that tells you the right time frame to negotiate or what you should do. If you're looking at a lease renewal, if you're looking at, I want to buy a building, it gives you all the fundamentals of what you need to know when you get ready to approach that next transaction. And there's a link for people to access that as well if they'd like.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm like really big on social media and I know that you have an Instagram, but are you guys active on it or not so much?
1: Uh, we are. Yep. We are sure. uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera. Yep.
0: Awesome. Okay. So you know what? I'll just link to all of those in the show notes as well. So if you guys want more information, um, he gave you the website. It's car.us, C-A-R-R. But I'm also going to link everything in the show notes so you guys can get more info. All right. Well, thank you so much, Colin. It was a pleasure to talk to you and I hope that I am assuming you're going to be getting lots of questions because this is a really good episode, lots of gold nuggets and something that's definitely not my expertise. So thank you for coming in here and serving my audience with that info.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it. And we are more than happy to get uh, healthcare providers the information they need to make the, the most of their next transaction.